Friends, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to begin this new quarter's lesson with you. The topic is a heavy one. It's on death and dying. But for us Christians who follow God, there's also a lot of hope infused with the message of death and dying. And so we're looking for the hope in the midst of death and dying. Um, I'd like to welcome our, our my partners on this journey. Uh, we have Jesse and we have Adriana. Jesse has been with us before. You are the uh, community and discipleship pastor for Anthem, our uh, modern service, right? Yeah. Welcome, Jesse. Thank Glad you. you're here. And Adriana is our director for um, music and worship, worship and music arts. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to have both of you on this journey. But let's let's have prayer together as we begin. Our good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much for giving us hope in the midst of suffering. This life is has its ups and downs, but intermixed with the good, we also see the the pitfalls and the dangers that evil has caused in our world. So as we navigate some of those challenges, help us to find the roses, the hope in the midst of all of that is our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So this is a heavy topic, right? It is very heavy. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I love how they begin it, though, where they talk about in the lesson how we see evidenced in nature this, this um, juxtaposition of evil and good, like even in the presence of a rose, which is very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It has thorns, yep. right? There's a rose, um, there's a thorns among the roses, roses among the thorns, whichever way you yeah. want to see it. How else have you seen um, evil and good juxtapositioned in our world? You know, I, um, I think that this is a, timely um, lesson to just reflect on because there are so many people grieving and experiencing loss and uh, trying to find ways to make sense of suffering. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday I was in my office and uh, a lady came and we had an hour conversation about um, her the passing of her brother. And honestly, I realized that I tried to avoid talking about this topics because it's so hard it is so hard to be able um or to recognize that we don't have answers for everything it's yeah. so humbling so uh, i think it's, it's it's good to reflect on what is your decision what is the angle what is the focus that you are going to take when you're talking about death mm -hmm. uh, just as you said um there is hope and we have to be able at a certain point to see it and to find it so um I, I, it's been good for me to reflect on this and to just realize that we don't have all the answers. Yeah, it's definitely a humbling experience, right? When you're yes. when you're when you're at that bedside, when you're facing death in the face, it's very it's very overwhelming and humbling, knowing that there aren't easy answers present there. Yeah. yeah. No, and as you were kind of asking, like I think you, you see the juxtaposition of evil and good. And, and beauty mm -hmm. all over the place. I mean, it's the, if you look at the very nature nature of life, it's the, the beauty of a child being born, mm -hmm. but then there's the evil that that life will end at some point. Mm -hmm. And we and it, we, we carry that with us, us through our entire life. It's not just like, oh yeah, you know, everything's awesome. It's <laughs> like, there's always this coloring on, on the thing. We may not always think of it, but there's always this coloring on it that at some point this relationship will come to an end through death, you know, or, or through mm -hmm. something else um, or whatever it is. And and so it's, 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 it's kind of incredible that we even, ex I mean, just to, to reflect on this, that we even are able to handle it as humans. Yeah. I mean, it's a reflection of, of the resilience that God built into us, that we can even handle that, re those two realities. Mm -hmm. There's so much good and yet there's this evil that still exists. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely that up and down that, that, in his existence in human life and yeah. in a person's life. Yeah, yeah I, 
I'm I'm sort of a downer at weddings, you know, when I <laughs> when I'm asked to uh, perform a marriage ceremony. After I say this, I'm sure nobody's going to ever ask me again. <laughs> but during the wedding, as we're celebrating love and new life and all of that, I like to give a splash of reality mm -hmm. to the couple because, you know, marriage marriage is more than just the wedding, right? The mar wedding is beautiful. It's a high moment celebration, but there's always going to be challenges that every yeah. marriage. So I, I like to tell the um, the joke that a wedding is uh, a three ring circus. You know, there's the engagement ring and the wedding ring mm -hmm. and the, there's the suffering. Right? <laughs> yeah. Suffering. That's <laughs> yeah. a good one. I like yeah. that. <laughs> so there is this idea that, yeah, you know, that, that even in in the hope of a wedding, there's always there's always that cloud yeah. at the at the end of the silver lining as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But pretty wild that like we can even handle the, the the pressure of that. But also, it's it's incredible because no matter what we do, we can't we cannot get away from that reality. We mm -hmm. can't get away from the reality that both exist, and that seems to be the tension that we're we're getting into is is. First of all, how do you hold those intention? And mm -hmm. second of all, why does that even that one whole side of evil even exist in in in, in at all? I guess yeah. like in, in, in history, why does that even come to, to be? And that's a that's a pretty big question. So, yeah. yeah. And it's it's a hard question that we face. The reality that God in his perfection and goodness did not want, like we never say that God wanted sin to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So God did not want it to happen, and yet sin happened. So what does that say about the nature of God and who mm -hmm. God is? What does it mean of the nature of perfection and how we, um, how we, how He created a per perfect world? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Those are those are questions that we're going to struggle with throughout this lesson and probably throughout this quarter. Um, but for us, for me, it's it's even difficult for me to even imagine a perfect world. I don't mm -hmm. know about for you, but I have a hard time imagining. What would a world be like with no suffering, no pain, yeah. no sadness, no loss? Like, that's hard for me to picture. Yeah. And, you know, even Hollywood has a hard time picturing that, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. they end up <clears throat> making heaven seem either very monotonous and boring, yeah. right? Because all movies, the, the, the catch they get you with mm -hmm. is that there's some kind of suffering or yeah. loss or some yeah. kind of terrible thing that happens. And if, if, if there is a world without any of that, is that going to be boring? Like we have a hard time imagining that. Do you, do you struggle with that too? Just imagining what heavenly perfection is going to be like? So yeah. I, I will say something from a musician point of view. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because any musical piece, when you analyze it, there's this tension, just like a great novel or a great work of any art expression. You have um, two, at least two sides of the truth, right? Even when you open the Bible, Genesis 2, you know, you have God and then you have the enemy. So you need that contrast for um, the plot to happen, as, as you just mentioned. And then music is, is not exception to that. So you analyze, you know, Beethoven's symphonies, Mozart's, Mozart's and any great musician and you you see how at a certain point tension starts to yeah. develop so you can have a sense of motion mm. but then when you analyze the sound itself just one sound you put it in a in a um, sound machine that will analyze the sound the sound itself has tension so, mm. so you have the main tone and then you have overtones and those overtones create also dissonance within themselves so at any point of creation there is this tension i mean wow. even heartbeat right yeah. heartbeat is tension release uh blinking as well so tension is a part of our our nature so i was i was thinking as i was reading this article we were created under god's image right on god's image does, have, does God have any tension in his mm. nature? Is tension in heaven okay? Yeah. Maybe it's not just uh, a symptom of just wrong. It's just there. So I have no idea. Yeah. But when when <laughs> when we analyze sound, uh, just from a musician point of view, you can tell that when the Bible says in Revelation, for example, you, you cannot imagine um, ears have not heard. Eyes have not seen what 
have any about. It's just we play in another league, you know. Yeah. You play in your neighborhood league yeah. and heaven is like NBA or something. <laughs> it's just another dimension. Wow, Adriana, you brought in music theory and the NBA all and somehow joined. <laughs> See, friends, you got a glimpse of what we get to enjoy every single week in our staff meetings, the wisdom that comes from this, this woman. Um, thank you so much. I, I love that. So you're, you, you seem to be saying that tension is a reality of life, not just of sinful life, but it, even in good things, you see that tension. So is maybe tension isn't necessarily evil. Like we sometimes equate like tension and stress with evil, but is it possible that tension and stress in certain contexts can be good mm. and can be leading towards growth, can be leading towards um, movement? Like there's a directionality. Mm -hmm. to, is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 So you, you have a God that is a system of three persons, yeah. right? So there has yeah. to be a certain, yeah. right? Yeah. A, a certain covenant a certain way to go about how they relate and then they create creatures that are also some uh, somehow a system and we have to make sense out of it so um it, it looks like when you read um, the bible and you understand that god gives you freedom because you need to realize that you have to make choices um from the from your nature, the nature that God gave you, um, is complicated. It's complex. So, yeah, I, I think that even in heaven, we can tell that a creature decided to just branch out from God's mm. script. So I'm not trying to explain a mystery. I understand it's a mystery, but um, but I understand that also freedom has so much risk. Mm -hmm. But God took it. Yeah, the fact that God allows freedom in the midst of love shows that mm. there's already tension it mm -hmm. as a part of love that love Correct. includes tension love has to include oh. tension because um and that's what's so incredible about you have like the triune the trinity god mm -hmm. like it's there there would be tension there because um i mean for, for anybody who has kids you have you too but then as soon as you had the kid in now it's like you, the other person has to become okay with the, the, the moments that you're going to be spending with the child and not them, and, and you likewise to them as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's tension in love. Like, you can't get away from that. It just seems to be the difference between the world that God created and the world that we, we're currently inhabiting seems to be what do you do with that tension? Do, yeah. you, do you take it your own direction and say, I don't like that. I'm going to manipulate things for my own benefit. Or am I going to sit with that tension and, mm. and learn to love within that tension? Mm. That seems to be the key difference between the mm. two. Um, again, it doesn't explain the mystery of where sin comes from, but it's still, that seems to be the, the like, I, I think you, you brought up systems. Mm. And we live in Southern California where water is like, what's going to happen with water you yeah. know, next year is sort of how it feels. Yeah. Um, but that's what's so interesting. God gave a garden to Adam and Eve and said, I want you to tend it and take care of it. Mm. And then the question comes in, well, how are you going to irrigate certain parts of the, of the garden? What are you going to do? How do you make the decision of where this plant goes versus this plant goes? What, what do you do with the different problems that will arise by the nature of just the earth existing? Yeah. And yet again, it's not about there not being um, things to solve or problems that will arise. It seems to be what is the attitude of our heart, heart towards those things and each other. Mm. That seems to be the key difference to mm. me, at least. Yeah. But I had to answer your earlier question. I had yeah. I, I had anxiety attacks as a kid. Yeah. I would think of of heaven and imagine this picture where it's like the New Jerusalem is in the background, and then there's these people in white robes yeah. around a lake. And I would imagine that picture, and then just imagine that going on forever. Mm. And I would have an anxiety attack wow. as like a seven, eight-year-old yeah. because I couldn't comprehend eternity, but also it sounded incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to like, live there forever? Yeah, and then if you grow up in Adventism, there's also like the there was there was some aspects of like we shouldn't have com competitive games because that brings up you know bad things in people. So I'm like, we'll never play tag. Like it's yeah. like as a kid, you're just like, no, that sounds awful. Oh. But the more I've grown into it, the more it's like, wow, this earth is a problem-solving machine that we would ex mm. that we would exist in as humans. Mm. But again, what is the attitude of our hearts towards each other as we go through the process of solving those things? Mm. I don't know. And, and even towards God, too. It's it's the relational posture of our hearts. Yeah. Wow. I, I never thought about that, the relationship between our Sabbath experiences growing up and heaven. But really, I mean, people have said, like, Sabbath is supposed to be a taste of what heaven's yeah. like. But 
that really depends on how you how experience the Sabbath, right? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, like growing up sometimes with um, some well-intentioned yeah. but sort of legalistic perspective of Sabbath, at times Sabbath was more about what you can't do yeah. with, than what it really, what a blessing it is. Yeah. And when you approach it that way, um, not to say that we shouldn't have boundaries with Sabbath. I think boundaries are so important in creating something special, but when it's all focused on what you can't do, mm. it does create something that you're like longing for it yeah. to end. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I remember like, what time is sundown? And just like waiting. Oh, <laughs> waiting. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yes, now we're free, right? But but that's not what Sabbath is. Yeah. So it says a lot about how how sometimes we've twisted God's concept of the Sabbath and then also how how much of a challenge it is for us yeah. to comprehend the perfection of heaven. Yeah. I think it also brings that that idea though kind of brings us into that. I guess what you were saying jogged my memory, my 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 thoughts about the story of of the fall because if you have that perspective, the the question that the serpent brings up is is um, did God really say oh he didn't you know he's hiding something from you and there's that that thought that comes into our minds that like wait hold on that can I trust God. And it sounds limiting. It sounds like God has mm-hmm. limited you and he's hiding something that is you're capable of. And that very question, it feels like that you're counting down the days mm-hmm. or counting down the minutes to get to the end of Sabbath. Now I can do whatever I want and I'm not limited. Mm-hmm. That seems to be sort of what happens with, with the serpent yeah. you know, where he's just like, yeah, you won't be limited anymore. And they're like, wow, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, but but mm-hmm. even within that, like you said, there's, there's necessary boundaries. There's good boundaries around around life um but at the same time sometimes those can be so restrictive it causes us to wonder yeah. you know it would it be better on the other side so that seems to be the tension that they were in i'm not i'm not excusing sin or anything like that but it's a legitimate question that gets brought up am i am i am i stuck am i am i and, and that that seems to be one of the questions that really pushes forward that 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 story yeah. into them choosing what they did. So that uh, was yeah. pretty interesting. So you're wondering if Adam and Eve were feeling a little bit trapped. If they were wondering if mm. the boundaries, that things would be better on the other side of the boundaries. Mm. Well, that's what it seems like. I, and they don't seem to have wondered it until mm. the question was brought up. Yeah. And then they're like, uh-oh, can, can we trust God? Like, is God mm. good? Or is he hiding something from us that's, that it could be better for us? And yeah. so... That's that's a, it's an honest question. You have to admit, yeah. like it, it's an honest question. They chose something that led to death and destruction, which wasn't good. But and God had been honest with them about it. But um, it is an honest question that we have even today. Yeah. Is this limiting? Is you know people have that about marriage? Is marriage limiting? Is it? Mm-hmm. Or there seems that like, what I want, I, I'm afraid of losing my freedom. Yeah. So that that tension between living under God and living however we decide to, yeah. that seems to be the key tension that surrounds the question of like, how does evil come to be in the world? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It does seem to be a human instinct. You know, humans, we humans are finite beings, right? We're limited beings. There's, there's just, there's limits to what we can do physically do like as much as I want to be able to fly like Superman or like a bird, I just can't like, even if I imagine it and believe that I can, if I jump off a five story building without a parachute, I'll probably die, yeah. right? I won't be, I certainly won't yeah. be able to fly. Yeah. Um, so there are limits and yet there seems to be an instinct with us to not want to be limited, right? Mm-hmm. To push against the limits. Mm-hmm. And in certain ways, it's it's helped us like advance technology and things like that. But I see it also at times creating unhealthy patterns as well. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like when it comes to technology and being always connected, we've talked about how, um, social media and the internet, it has completely changed the way that we approach life itself, mm-hmm. right? And we always, I mean, before I was born, there was this almost belief that technology can save us. Like mm-hmm. life is just going to get easier. There were articles about how, oh, with so much convenience, like with the microwave and all of these things, life is just going to become so easy. You're not going to have any stress at in reality, all those things have made life even more stressful yeah, and more and more difficult, right? Yeah. So the reality is in our pursuit of unlimitedness, we've yeah. actually come face to face with the fact that we are limited, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like part of the challenge with sin is that we are 
recognizing when we're saying, God, I trust you, we're recognizing that there is a limit to what I can do, Mm -hmm. that God is the only unlimited being. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. but like you were saying earlier, that all comes down to trust, right? That relational element Mm -hmm. is so crucial, right? Do we trust that God is good? Do we trust that God is saying these boundaries are healthy for you and you're, Mm -hmm. you'll actually experience more freedom within the boundaries than if you try to escape them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that really is at the heart of the message of First John. That's one of the passages in our lesson is the fact that John firmly believes that God is a God of love. So mm-hmm. let's take a look at it. It's First John chapter 4, um, starting with verse 7, reads, Dear friends, so John is um, addressing uh, the people reading his letter, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into this world that we might live through him. Mm-hmm. Let's pause there. Mm-hmm. So this, this, this beautiful passage that, you know, is pretty famous among Christians, that God is love. What does that mean to you that, that, that he says God is love? What, does, what, did, what, what do you think he's trying to convey there? Uh, John is trying to convey about God. John, who calls himself the beloved disciple, right? Mm -hmm. Love is very firmly entrenched in his theology all throughout his gospels and his letters, right? What, what does, what do you think he means by that God is love? I remember some years ago, I was in Chicago. Uh, I was in a um, hospital and then my daughter was um, receiving treatment and I was so mad at God. Mm. And I remember I just went for a walk and I, by the first time, I think I just, I just um, really expressed to God, verbalized what, what was in my heart. Mm. Why do you allow this to happen if you are love? Mm. And I remember um, feeling good about finally telling him what I knew it was a lament, but I, I didn't want to express that before. And um, it was, it was such a moment in my spiritual life because I, I understood that God told me, I know, I know how you feel. Mm. I know how it feels having a child suffering. Mm. I've been there. I am there and I'm with you and I am love and I love you and I love your daughter. Trust me. Um, and I, 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 I remember this. I think it's uh, Charles Spurgeon that says when you cannot trace uh, track his hand uh no yeah when you can attract uh his hand trust his heart yeah. right uh, and I, I i love that and i remember that was just a moment in which i understood okay i'm just behaving like this i'm just reacting like this because i don't trust you enough i don't trust that you are love even though i don't understand anything else I will dwell in that reality. Mm-hmm. You are love. So what that meant to me is, um, it is so hard for me not to understand. I want to understand. You know, we 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 have been to school, uh, we have developed skills, and we want to understand. But and then, uh, just reaching to a point in which you cannot, you understand that okay, there's no way this reality can can sit in my system because I'm not able to understand this but the only thing i can do is what god is asking me to do which is trust that i'm i am love that's my essence and it's not only who he is it's also the way he wants us to learn love is a method Mm. for us to learn you cannot learn who god is through anything else but connecting your your whole being with the reality only through love you can understand and receive his love so um it, it is more than just an intellectual reality right it's an experience it's something that you have to um just give in and give up to um i don't know if that makes sense but I, i'm still trying to process uh, that it, love is more than something that i read something that i get it's just i have to tune my heart with someone whose essence is that is love yeah there's that experiment experiential element to Mm. love that uh, i love how you 
describe this this tension between in the suffering world in the sinful world that love god's love doesn't mean that our problems all go away mm. but that even in the midst of those the tension the challenge mm -hmm. that we're facing that you can um trust his heart that you can mm -hmm. trust that he cares for you in the midst of that that we have a god that's that's kind of earned that trust and i love what you said about that understanding who god is comes better when we practice love mm -hmm. like if god is love that means that in practicing love we understand love better that means that we understand god better mm -hmm. that's such a powerful statement because that's that's really what he says in first john chapter four um is that uh, everyone who has been born of god knows god whoever does not love does not know god because mm -hmm. god is love so he is he seems to also be agreeing with you that by by experiencing and practicing love like knowledge in the bible is not just a head knowledge but an experiential knowledge right by practicing love we actually get to understand god better yes and i kind of see that with my own my own experience with my uh, my children mm -hmm. i think i understood god's heart so much better once i had children than before i did there's just mm. there's just something about having this child that's completely dependent mm -hmm. on you that brings out in a whole nother, another element of love. Yeah. yeah. But it's not easy. And that's the funny thing. Like love is such a weird thing when you really sit down and think about it. Yeah. Um, because it is a feeling and it's not a feeling. <laughs> it's both. It's action and it's internal. Yeah. It's it is a lived out reality and it's experience. It's like it's it's this thing that you can put your finger on and you also cannot at all. It's like, what is it actually? And if we're to say that in John making the case that God is love is such a, I mean, he's, he's literally equating the two in a way that it is, you, you get it, but you also like, but what does that mean? Yeah. Is God, like, is love a force in the world? Like, it, like yeah. the spirit of God working or is it a thing that we do? Like, like, what does that mean? And, and you sit with that question for a while. And I think that's the beauty of what you're what you're talking about. Like it's it's the, the longer you live, the more the more you begin to experience as you love, you, is what you're pointing out. As you love, you start to experience more of this awakening of what it is, and you start to realize like the bounds of love are massive. Mm. And they're also in, in but with love comes pain too, because mm. you can't control. That's one of the that's one of the key things we probably should talk about when it comes with, with sin. Love means letting go of control. Mm. It means that I don't get to control how you act, what you do, any of that. It does. It, it says, "I will. I still love you in spite of those things." However, uh, there's also consequences that come with acting certain ways and things like like love is 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 a. We 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 tend to portray it in media, and and even in stories mm -hmm. that we tell one another, that that it's this wonderful, beautiful, amazing, happy thing, and it is that, but it is also one. It causes some of the greatest pain in, that we could ever experience because whether it is the the mm -hmm. the action of somebody else or just something that somebody else is going through, like your daughter, it's like that causes pain to us, and then you have to sit with that, and and pain seems to tell us that something is wrong. But love seems to be the thing that tell like it's the it's 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 deeper than any of that. It's mm -hmm. love is is the reason that you're feeling that something is wrong. It's, mm -hmm. it's just wild to try and come to the 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 how is God love? Mm. What are we feeling? Is it would it be appropriate to say if I love you? I and this sounds stupid, but as I God you, it's like that, that there's something about what I am claiming mm -hmm. that is to claim something much higher than I'm even really. I even understand like it's it's a I don't know those are all just ramblings of I don't I don't know yeah. but it's wild <laughs> so no, you're you're absolutely right like love is so hard to pin down yeah. right that's that's the sense I'm getting for you and perhaps that's why love is the best descriptor of who God yeah. is because God is really hard to pin down right <laughs> whenever humans we think that we have God in a box he just does something that breaks apart our box yeah, right yeah. and in a certain sense love is the same way there is tension like we've talked about there's tension in love there's there's a mystery to love hmm. now it is it, it's a, it is also a point that that he doesn't say love is God he says God is love yeah. right and there is a difference between that he's not saying that love is the ultimate is is the God of, of the universe but that God, that, that a def, the f defining characteristic of God is love, that they're mm. the, the essence of that. And I mean, 
And that's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most beautiful chapters on, mm -hmm. on what love is. And by the end of it, you're still wondering, so what is love, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just went to 1 Corinthians 13 yeah. and I, I guess yeah, I cannot help it. Uh, um, I'm a musician and I love the fact that he says, um, if, if, if you are speaking, you know, in human or angelical tongues, but you don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or, or, you know, a, a symbol. And, and it's very interesting because when you, when you teach music to your students, mm -hmm. the first thing that you try to teach them is uh, music is not there in, in the score. It, it's not a paper. It's something that you have to experience. Wow. Right. It, it, I mean, because a, a a computer can just play the notes and do it correctly, mm. but you, you need the feeling, you need the emotion, you need the connection with your being, and you need to really experience from everything you are that music. And uh, wow. so it's kind of same thing with God. You know, you, you, you can you can read the Bible, you can see external things that will lead you to God, but um, it's a lot more than that. You, 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 it has to be experiential. And um, I don't know why we learn through pain. I really, I'm really hoping that in our eternal life, we will not experience more pain anymore. I'm kind of tired, you know, <laughs> but, but it's true that through pain, we understand more the, the depth of love, just mm -hmm. as you said before, right? It is a reality. Yeah, I love that. That music, our, music is not just notes on a page. It exists in our heart. Mm -hmm. That's such a powerful reality. And that's the same thing that you've said about love, right? Um, love and even our understanding of God is not just words that we read on a page, but it's something that exists in our heart. It has to be experienced in order for us to to live it out and to have that in 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 reality. Mm. So God is love and he creates a world where where love exists and love is the defining characteristic of the universe, right? And it sounds like everything is perfect and then it's not, right? Mm. We we have the fall not just of humanity but also before that of of Lucifer and the angels. Um, and that's uh, there, there's a description, a metaphor of it that's found in Ezekiel that the chapter touches on. So let's let's take a look at that because I want to ask the question: If God is love and He creates a universe based on love, how is it possible for sin to enter that kind of universe? So let's take a look at this passage and see if we can um, we can find an answer there. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses, we're, we're going to start in verse 12 and go through 19. The Bible reads, <clears throat> Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him. Now, this whole section of 28 is a prophecy against a real king of Tyre. But this second half, um, as the lesson talks about, is often taken as a metaphor for not just the king of Tyre, but also for Lucifer and the fall of Lucifer. And there's some hints of that throughout this passage, talking about perfection, talking about how he was a crowned um, a guardian cherubim and all of these, these elements that tell you that there's something more happening here. Mm -hmm. So if we take this to talk about Lucifer, this is what it says. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you ruby, topaz, and emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherubim, cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Mm. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and honest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I have... 
I made a fire come out of you and it consumed you and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have become, you have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Mm. All right. So this is talking about this, this reality of a, a perfect creature, right? He says in verse uh, 15, you are blameless in your ways. Um, some translations say you are perfect in your ways from the day that you were you were born till wickedness was found in you. So how is it possible that God in a perfect world created a perfect being and that perfect being sinned? I think at least the, the only place we could start, well, maybe not the only place, but a, a really good place to start would just be the fact that I think that when God creates the, the universe as it is, um, this is a philosophical argument that I think could be argued against, but something that I found compelling is that as God creates this world, if, if, if he is love and he creates this, um, as we talked about, one of the t seemingly seeming tenets of love is that it does not control, mm -hmm. um, that it can discipline, it can use that as guidance, it can um, set out ways, it can try and craft the best pathway forward as you do with your kids and, and you know if you're a boss in a workplace you, you do your best to kind of guide it as, as it can but at some point you cannot just control mm -hmm. and if that's part of it then there's this inherentness to love that there is always the option to step out from under that and yeah. to do things a different way and that seems to be built right into the garden. That's where you have, you know, there's all these trees in the garden, but don't eat from this one, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm. which seems to be this, this expression of, you know, it, it, at least what we might say as a filler into that text is, so they seem to know what good is, mm. but they don't know what evil is. Wow. And so here's the option. You can know both, but it will not end how you, mm. how you might think it will. Um, that seems to be built right into the very fabric of, of all of this, but it's also terrifying. And you could almost say, well, isn't that um, irresponsible of God to create? But at the same time, when we experience that love at, at its peak, we, we say that it's transcendent. I mean, that's what it feels like. That's why you have movies that are built on love and all of that. And love is built out of this choice that a lot of like, you know, the romantic movie at the, at the end, it's because they made the choice to be together. And that choice, that free will that they both exercise is like, oh, this is this amazing, the most amazing put a bow on it ending. That seems to be so transcendent that that in and of itself, if that's what we were living in, would be so good. But you always have the option to step out from under that and do things how you decide that they would go. And in that love still exists, but also this other opportunity exists for, for death and destruction that we were warned about. So it's... It does, I mean, I don't know if it, you said it earlier, it's a mystery. How could we ever get to the very bottom of it? But it seems that even not just for humanity, but for all of creation, that there is this, this is how I've laid it out. This is how the universe works. You can work within that, or you can try and step out from underneath that, yeah. but it just doesn't go well because that's not how the universe is built. Yeah. And so um, that seems to be at least a piece of the, the argument. Yeah. Yeah. That that love is this incredible, powerful force, but the tension is also that it's this incredibly fragile thing because yeah. all it takes is for one person to say, I'm out of this. I, yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. And love does not force mm -hmm. that, that being to stay yeah. within mm -hmm. that love. Because if it does, then it creates robots and robots, yeah. mm -hmm. we, we inherently know that they don't love. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe you can get to argument about AI and stuff, but but it, it's a programmatic thing as opposed to this the seeming experiential thing that we experience. Um, I, I when I play with Legos as a kid, like whatever happens there is I control every bit of it, mm -hmm. and we would inherently say the, the the marriage ceremony that I did between my two Lego figurines that was forced by me. Yeah. But that's that's not love. That's just that's I'm doing everything how I want to. And it, the only experience that's happening there is the person creating it all and doing yeah. it all. Mm -hmm. But if you're creating a world for others to experience, yeah. you can't control what they do. You can invite them mm -hmm. into something good, but you cannot control what they do if you truly love, if mm -hmm. you want that. Um, but again, those are philosophical arguments that I don't. There's definitely arguments against those things. But yeah, yeah. going back to. Um the experience as a parent and uh, the three of us have had children. Um, 
I remember when I had my first baby, I was very concerned about my children understanding God in a positive way. You know, we just talk about Sabbath and some things that we've been taught. So I was very concerned. I just really want my my two kids to to have a good experience with God. And I, I will go with my husband to Sabbath school, stay there, make sure that uh, everything was okay. And uh, I didn't realize I was I was just kind of micromanaging their process, you know. And then I remember one day, one of my kids, uh, he said, Mom, you know what? What I learned today is God... Um, didn't want Lucifer and 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 he expelled Lucifer from heaven. That's so mean. I cannot understand how did God do that yeah. if he's love? You know, I was puzzled by the question. He was like, wait, I need an answer to this question. <laughs> and he's four years old mind. How can I how can I explain? And um part of it was God is he defines himself. I am who I am. And that tells me, let me be as well. You know, mm -hmm. I am who I am. You may not understand everything that I am, and you will have to make sense of that as well. When my kids were four and three, I didn't have an answer to to respond to that. And I realized, oh, wow, this, this just happened, and this will be their life. <laughs> me trying to portray a God that I don't even understand. Um, and yeah, understanding God or trying to understand God has a lot to do with just realizing I cannot control who he is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a humbling experience. And that is the, the core of worship. You know, I come unto a God that I cannot understand, but still mm -hmm. I, I am humble about it. And I I just wait for a revelation to happen from my humble spirit. And and um I'm not humble enough to say um, I cannot. I cannot explain this. This. This questions. I'm. I'm not there yet. I really want to explain. <laughs> I really. I'm still that micromanaging mom trying to explain God. But you know what? I think that is good for us human beings to understand that part of His nature is giving us freedom. Mm -hmm. We may. We may agree with that or not. Uh, but it's part of His nature. I prayed many times, God, I don't want this freedom. I don't need that much freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, just just make me more automatic, you know, in, in my way to respond to it. Why do I want so much freedom if I don't know how to use it? So I just prefer you not to give me freedom, but it didn't work so far. Mm -hmm. uh, so he is who he is, and he decides to give us freedom. So I need to trust that. Yeah. I mean, we see it in Genesis 1. It says, he, he gave us autonomy. Mm -hmm. He said, I, I'm, you're made, let's make man in our image. And then he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth and subdue it. I mean, what he means by that is to rule over it. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're an, if you create these creatures that only do what you ever say, and then everything from there is only, is all controlled by you too, by a whole process, which you have as an assembly line. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not an experiential, wonderful, organic community. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an assembly line. Yeah. And it seems like what God wanted for us, us also to experience um, is, is that beauty, the beauty of all of us in our differentness and yet all reflecting his image working together to build a world that has the tension and the problems that need to be solved and all of that, mm -hmm. but doing that together in such a way that would have created beauty and flourishing and, mm -hmm. and thriving for all, as opposed to what we have now. But you don't get that world, the what, the, what could be, mm -hmm. if you're just controlling every minute detail as you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so by giving us autonomy, he also is saying, you, you can do whatever you want. And that's, I, I, you almost have to commend a God to, to that to some degree. You could also fault him, but you can, you almost have to commend it because the, if you truly love, it's like, it's also absolutely terrifying. My, mm -hmm. my daughter just figured out how to climb on the outside of the stairs. Okay. So she's like holding onto the railing and like going, <laughs> oh, and that's terrifying. <laughs> and in our own way, we have to be around and in, in mm -hmm. for safety. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if she never learns how to do that and what she can and cannot do, yeah. then she will never be a autonomy autonomous f woman in, in, in the future who mm -hmm. can go out into the world and do wonderful things. Mm -hmm. She'll always be like, well, can I, oh, dad, mm -hmm. 
can yeah. I, can I, can I climb this? It's like, well, you don't want that. Yeah. It's beautiful when she's able to do what she was created to. Yeah. Which is why you've always, I loved how you've always framed perfection, not as a static perfection, but a maturity, mm-hmm. right? Because there does seem to be a sense, an expectation of growth, yes. right? God creates this perfect world with perfect beings, Adam and Eve being perfect. And yet they're not perfect in that they will not change. Mm-hmm that they will mm. not grow, that there is going to be some growth. Yeah. And that's where the tension lies, right? They are perfect, but not perfect, mm. right? Mm. They're perfect, but they're not complete yet, mm. right? And and maybe that helps us with a vision of heaven too. Yeah. If heaven is going to be like what Eden was, that means there there is still opportunity for growth, for understanding. We're not going to instantly go to heaven and be complete no. and know everything no. and not ever have to grow again. Because honestly, that would be a little bit boring, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Just like yeah. experiencing wonder of newness and all of those things. That's part of what uh, makes life meaningful. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be the way that God created us to be is mm-hmm. with an expectation of growth. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, it makes sense why if people are not complete, they still have the opportunity to mess up and sin and choose something different, mm-hmm. which is what even Satan did yeah. um, here, mm-hmm. which is kind of mind-blowing to me because I, I I sort of understand Adam and Eve a little bit better. They were newer creations. Seems like Lucifer was there for a while. He was the, he was the, he was in a very high position, right? He was the covering cherub and, and all of that. It seems like he was in a pretty high position, the way that Ellen White describes him in uh, Great Controversy. You know, he was the chief among all, all of the angels. I don't know what that actually means to be the yeah. chief angel, but, but, there, there seems to be some status. There seems to be some, some experience there. And yet he still chooses mm. to walk away. Mm. I mean, ending with a tough question, <laughs> why? Literally the most philosophically stumping <laughs> question you could yeah. ask about Christianity. Yeah. Well, I mean, wh- why? That's just so mind boggling to me that he would step away in the mm. midst of all of that. Mm. I don't, I don't have any idea how the mystery of evil of how it entered um into it all but i think and i, I know I, I believe ellen white said this but what's funny is i read this and i was like i actually was thinking this before i even read this in ellen white um so i, th- I think this is a wider idea than just the the, the two of us me and ellen. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this is a, a a wider idea but that's that evil does not seem to have a reason for existing, mm. which is if she says that, and, and philosophically, I think I agree with that because um, we can wonder, like, what's the reason behind why Lucifer or any any other creature in this perfect, in this in this place of beauty and wonder and everything is as it should be? Why would they choose something different? Mm. Um, I don't know if we'll ever really get to the bottom of that, though. We mm. see we see the aftermath. But what, one, one thing I think is key in there is, is that evil doesn't have a reason for existing. It's not like God created this world. He's like, and I will also make all of what evil is as mm-hmm. well. But it seems that God made what this is and says, you can do it differently, but it won't go well. And that's mm-hmm. what we call evil is the doing it differently and all the destruction and death that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those key things we talk about. Like we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, you know, someone dies in a car accident. It's for a reason. Some people say like, mm-hmm. God is everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, there's maybe what if there is no reason for things to exist, but, mm-hmm. or evil to exist or the pain or the death or destruction to exist. What if, what if for some reasons, you know, someone got the idea that, man, I don't know if I, what if there's more mm-hmm. and they got that idea and that in and of itself, that lack of trust that they had in God, that was not maybe brought back to God and said, I'm feeling this way. What's going on here? Yeah. Instead, it was the, the the journey away from God yeah. that that resulted in all of what we're seeing today. And there's no inherent reason that it exists, maybe other than the fact that God made the world as it is, and therefore something else also happens to exist, and that we can choose that if we desire. But that's a I don't know if we could ever get to the bottom of why. Mm. But but I, I definitely see that we see the, the results after and that it doesn't seem to be there's no coherentness to it. Yeah. Right. Philosophically, there's no coherentness to why evil exists. Exists. Yeah. yeah. There's a cer- certain senselessness to evil. Yeah. Right? That it is just destructive and, and yet it's appealing to us, yeah. which is which is this tension that yeah. we experience in mm-hmm. life. 
mean, that's a very discouraging way to end today's <laughs> study. But, but the good news is that there is hope beyond this, yeah. right? That as we journey through this, we're going to be talking about that despite the senselessness of evil, mm -hmm. despite the fact that humans have time and time again chosen the senselessness of evil over what really makes sense in good, mm -hmm. we, we inherently also know that there is good and want to do what good and yet what's good and yet we choose evil. Mm -hmm. Despite that, there's still hope. Yeah. And um, I hope as we go through this, uh, this uh, quarter, we'll, we'll be able to discover some of that hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could you pray for us as, sure. as yeah. we end, Jesse? Lord, we, we come with the gratefulness of what you have made. We are experiencing the beauty and the goodness of what you have made. Mm -hmm. um, but as Adriana said, too, there is a tiredness that comes with the living in this world and the evil and the brokenness that exists. And, and I'm 29, Lord, and I already feel mm -hmm. some of that tiredness. Mm -hmm. And there's many who have expressed those same feelings that are much older and have experienced much more of this world. And so there is that cry in our hearts that's just like, Lord, no more. We, we want this to be done. But also we understand that your timing is different than ours. And so while we live in this world, Lord, let us be people who are filled with your spirit, that we would love like you do, that we would experience more of a growth and understanding of your love and also in the, in the showing of your love to the world around us. Um, and that through that, we would find the beauty and the goodness that you have built and baked into the very uh, structure of this world. And that in that we would find um, a, 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 a beautiful uh, coming to grips with the tension that exists in this world. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. 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 So friends, if you're feeling tired with the evil, the struggle, the pain of this world, please remember that God, despite the fact that evil is senseless, God is good. And we hope that you can find some hope in that. Amen. Have a wonderful Sabbath. Mm -hmm.